feature presentation. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to me. I really appreciate it. I just wanted to start off with asking you about, you know, there has been so much uh, in terms of coverage on this story, whether it be novels, television, podcasts, the Richard Flesher uh, movie, The Boston Strangler. What made you want to tell this story now and from the perspective of journalists Loretta McLaughlin and Gene Cole? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Boston and I had heard about the Boston Strangler my whole life, but it wasn't until I started reading about it a few years ago that I realized that I really didn't know anything about the case. And I read every book that I could get my hands on. I listened to this incredible podcast called Stranglers. And I talked to people who were around at the time, some who worked in the newsroom. Um, and I discovered this really incredibly layered murder mystery at the heart of the story with a lot of unexpected twists and turns and and as much a story about the changing identity of, of the city of Boston at the time. And I found all of that really interesting, but I, you know, I, I didn't, none of it really clicked in terms of like, through what character would I tell this story? And then I discovered these reporters, Loretta McLaughlin and Jean Cole, who were you know among the first reporters to connect the murders they really broke the story of the Boston Strangler they even gave the strangler his name in during the course of their reporting and i discovered a personal connection to one of the reporters and the more i learned about them the more i grew to admire them both as people and as journalists and i felt like telling the story through their perspective would be a really worthwhile and compelling way to revisit this case where was the, the the first piece of media or information that you found these two journalists? Because there's not a lot of information on them, and it does seem like it is almost, you know, um, a, a task in itself to discover, you know, who they were as people and journalists. Yeah, I think I was watching like one of those biography, true crime documentaries, uh, TV documentaries, and there was like a 30 second interview with Loretta. And you're right, there's almost nothing available about either of them online. Um, and so I started trying to track them down to find out all the information that I could. And I read Jean Cole's obituary and it mentioned that she had two daughters and I looked them up on Facebook and one of them had a Facebook profile and she had one photograph. And in the photo, she had her arm around an old friend of mine. And so I called my friend and she said, I said, you know, how do you know this woman? And she said that that was her mom and that Jean Cole was her grandmother and this woman who she, she revered. Um, and so once I made the connection to the families, you know, I was able to learn all that I could about these two reporters and, and the lives they led. Were they able to supply you with with any, um, you know, uh, newspaper articles or, or information that kind of helped shape the narrative even more so than, um, you know, you're initially going through all of this, uh, you know, information that is available? Yeah, you know, you know, they, yeah, they made me aware of an archive that had all of the reporting online. So all of the record American newspaper articles for, you know, decades had been scanned and had digitized and put in this archive. So I was able to go back and read every single piece that they had written about the Boston Strangler. And I was able to, you know, ask questions about what it was like growing up in that household with parents covering this story. 
Um, so it was invaluable in that sense. Um, and, you know, really just trying to get a sense of who they were and the lives they led. Was there any particular article that really gave you a sense of the period or perspective that hadn't really been covered in that way before? You know, there's an incredible one thing that I discovered in reading their reporting is that, you know, like journalism has changed so much and their language, there was a real noir quality to their writing, um, which I found so fitting for the story. And um I was so taken with it. I actually was able to use some of it as uh, Kira's voiceover in the film. Uh, so some of that was able to, we were able to bring some of that on screen. Um, but they were just really, you know, devoted to chasing down this story and trying to keep people informed, particularly women informed at a time when the city was, um, you know, living in fear of this this killer and at a time when the police department was coming up short. Um, I think an important thing to discuss is the movie um, doesn't sensationalize or feel exploitative in terms of how the victims are treated. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you about that is, are you conscientious right from the beginning of, of telling the story through almost an audio sort of sensory kind of way? Because again, like there's this sound play that feels very well developed and it leaves you kind of with your own sort of thoughts of what's going on in any one scene. Yeah. I mean, there's sort of two objectives. One, these are real people, real victims who had left real families behind. And so we wanted to be really respectful of them, but we also wanted to make it horrifying. And we actually found that depicting a lot of this violence off screen so that, you know, you hear a murder while you're watching a faucet dripping um, is you know, in many ways more horrifying than if we were to try and depict it on camera. Um, so it it kind of served two purposes to be both be respectful of the victims, but also um, create tension and, and, and depict these crimes in a way that was adequately horrifying. Um, another thing that I was curious about, because again, you know, like with every genre, there are milestones within, you know, certain films. Did you take any influence from other serial killer movies like David Fincher's Zodiac or Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder? There was another movie I was thinking a lot about as well, uh, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. Um, these movies that kind of play with ambiguity, but also, you know, aren't necessarily spoon feeding you in terms of telling the story. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we looked at all of those references from anything from, you know, how information is laid out um, to color palette and placement of camera, um, you know, obviously took a lot from Fincher, um, but just really wanted to to use camera in a way that was very restrained, but also, um, how, you know, heighten the sense of tension. Same thing with the the production design and the color palette and the quality of light, letting the darks really go dark. We just wanted this feeling of dread and, and the, the sort of um, the weight of these killings to um, carry over every dimension of the film. Um, a question that I'm always curious about when it comes to cinematography, um, 
we always talk about aspect ratios on the show. I wanted to know, um, you know, streaming on Hulu and Disney Plus Canada, um, does that play a decision into shooting in one uh, one eighty five? Um, we actually shot um, two three nine, and um, okay, you know, I think I just preferred the aspect ratio in terms of you know the environments that we were filming from the newsroom to you know some of these long hallways um being able to you know feel that foreground while you're moving through a space um i really you know i just we decided we really liked the the aspect ratio regardless of the exhibition format it just felt like the right aspect ratio for this story thank you so much for 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 clearing that up and and taking the time to talk to me i, I wish i could go longer because there's so much to get into but thank you so much matt i really appreciate it thank you eric appreciate it